Amen. Rain stand if you would look right across the page. And there's a passage from Psalm 27 and Isaiah 40 uh, concerning encouragement. Do you ever need encouragement in your life? Uh, God gives us encouragement in His Word. So I want to just read that passage together out loud. Would you read it with me? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint.
take your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 4 this morning, please. Colossians chapter 4. And I want to talk with you this morning about something that a lot of Christians struggle with. Something they want to do, yet they don't do it. At least not on a regular basis. And I'm talking about sharing the gospel personally. You can call it witnessing. You can call it soul winning, being on mission, testifying, outreach, probably some other names. But it's the idea of you personally sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with somebody else. And I think the reason a lot of Christians struggle with is because of fear, because of fear, all kinds of fear, Uh, fear of rejection, fear of hearing a no, fear of messing up. A fear of being asked a question you do not know the answer to. The fear of looking strange or peculiar. All kinds of fear. I believe that some Christians think that you have to have some kind of specialized training or some specialized course in how to witness. But the truth of the matter, beloved, is this. If you have been saved, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior, you know enough to tell somebody else how to meet him. And make him their Lord and Savior as well. Now, I'm not belittling training. We've done training in days gone by here. And in fact, we're going to do some training together as a large group here this morning. But you don't have to have a certificate or a diploma or a seminary degree in order to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, you can tell someone else how to meet him and how to know him. But, you know, there are those who say, you know what, I'd feel a little more comfortable if I had some training. Uh, If I had a means or a method or some way to articulate the gospel message, and if that's you, then you're in the right place this morning. Now, please understand there are many methods, there are many ways of sharing the gospel. I was thinking about my own life as I was, I grew up in church and I was saved at an early age. Uh, I think the first way that was taught to me about how to share the faith was the Roman road, the Romans road. Y'all remember the Romans road? Anybody remember the Romans road? You go through the book of Romans and there were certain verses and maybe you'd mark them in your Bible. or You have a Romans road track or a bookmark and you go to Romans 323 and Romans 623 and uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10. You travel down the Romans road. Uh, We've taught here in days gone by a course called Share Jesus Without Fear, a wonderful way to share the gospel. Uh, We have used the Evangel Cube. In fact, I used the giant Evangel Cube, this giant cube with lots of pictures. I used it at VBS uh, this past year, and God used that method of sharing. We saw a lot of boys and girls get saved and understand the gospel. Uh, There's evangelism explosion. There's faith evangelism. Uh, How many remember the wordless book? You would take construction paper, some of you, and remember that? And, and you'd have like, well, here's the black page, and that represents sin, and then here's the red page, and it represents the blood, and here's the white page, it represents having your sin washed clean, and, and here's the, the green page, I think it was growth, and here's the yellow page, it was heaven. I think that's how it worked, but it was a wordless book. And so you just show the color and talk. There's all kinds of methods, is what I'm saying, but there's only one message. So don't forget, there's many, many methods of sharing the gospel, but only one gospel message. Well, today I want to introduce to you, as you see uh, there on the screen, another method, a way of sharing your faith, the three circles, a life conversation guide. It's a wonderful tool that's been put out by our Southern Baptist North American Mission Board. And if I do my job correctly today, you can draw out and be able to share your faith using these three circles. But before I teach you the method... Before I teach you the way of doing it, I want us to jump into the scripture 
And I want to show you a passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 4 that talks about uh, a prayer and uh, what Paul had to say here in Colossians chapter 4. You'd find your place, or you can follow along with the screen, Colossians chapter 4, and I'll begin reading at verse 2. Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Paul, writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us. So he's about to make a prayer request here. And I want you to notice what he asked them to pray about. That God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture, beloved. And I want to walk you through it real quickly. Paul is writing to the Colossian believers here, the church in Colossae, and he encourages them to keep on praying. And that's always wonderful counsel. He encourages them to always pray with thanksgiving. And we need that reminder as well. But then he gets to verse three and he asks them to pray for him. And I want you to notice what he asked them to pray about there in verse number three. Now you got to remember, he's in prison suffering for his faith. And he asked them to pray for an open door. And he's not asking them to pray for an open door to get out of prison. If you notice what it says there, pray that God would open to us a door for the what? For the word. To speak the mystery of Christ, as he calls it there, to preach the gospel. And so we need to realize that when it comes to sharing our faith, we also need to pray for open doors to share the gospel. To pray for open doors to share the gospel. Do you ever pray that God would open a door for you to personally share the gospel with someone? If you do, I think it leads to a couple of things in your life. First of all, I believe it leads to uh, preparation. If you're going to say, Lord, I pray that you would open a door today, this week. Pray that you would open doors for me to share the gospel with somebody else. It's going to lead to preparation. In other words, you've got to take some steps to get prepared to share the gospel. You might learn a method like we're going to learn today. You might underline some verses in your Bible. You might put your pocket New Testament. You might grab a gospel track off the table or whatever. You're preparing because you're praying, God, open a door for me to share the gospel. So you're going to get prepared to share the gospel. Secondly, I think it leads to expectation. That is, we're expecting God to answer the prayer. We know it's God's desire for us to share the gospel. He's told us to share the gospel. And so it leads to expectation. In other words, we live with our eyes open, in tune to the Holy Spirit, looking for that open door. Why? Because we pray God opened the door and we get prepared. We're going to prepare ourselves and we're looking with expectation for that open door when the gospel uh, can be presented. And then thirdly, I think it leads to participation. This is where we actually move from just preparing and expecting to actually participating, to actually to actually sharing the gospel message. Whether we use the Romans road or a verse of scripture or John three sixteen or whatever method we use, we're going to share the gospel message and prepare. Now, let me give you some encouragement here. And I want everybody to understand this success in sharing the gospel. Listen, Christian, success in sharing the gospel for you is not seeing somebody get saved. What do you mean by that? 
Well, you're going to understand, you're going to experience in your life that you can share the gospel many times and there's no visible response. But that's not success. That, that's not what you're looking for. Yes, we want people to get saved. But success in sharing the gospel is your obedience in sharing it. See, God has told you to share it. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. We can't make anybody get saved. Many times we're just one of many that touches someone's life with the gospel. And so I want to encourage you because you may share your faith and maybe you shared it in days gone by. You say, well, they don't get saved. Well, listen, you've been obedient. Faithfulness is the key. You leave it up to God, the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can bring that person to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I remind myself of that often. See, success in ministry is not my standing up here every Sunday and seeing the altar filled and people crying out repentance. Do I want to see that? Yes. Do I pray for that? Yes. But if that were the defining feature of success in ministry, I would have quit a long time ago. See, success in ministry, and we talked about this with our deacons this past year at our training. Success is faithfulness and obedience to what God has told us to do. And leaving the results with Him. And so I want you to be reminded and be encouraged that as you go out and share the gospel, as you pray for open doors, not every time are you going to see someone return from their sin and place their faith in Christ. You may just be one of many touches in their life. We know that one waters and one plants, but God gives the increase. So just be encouraged in that. But we need to pray for open doors to share the gospel. Then secondly, we need to get ready to make it clear when we do share the gospel. Get ready to make it clear. We don't want to muddy it up. We don't want to make it uh, where you can't understand it and get so deep that we all drown in it. And this is where a method or a plan comes into place where you think about what am I actually going to say when the door opens? How am I going to articulate this? And Paul asked them to pray for him. Did you notice there in Colossians uh, chapter four, verse four? Here's what he says. He says, just pray that God would open the door that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. In other words, would you pray that God would help me to know exactly what I ought to say? Now, there are some things you're always going to include in a gospel presentation. You've got to talk about sin. You've got to talk about the Savior. You've got to talk about repentance and faith. But, you know, we can get so muddied up and so into all kinds of things. We can make it so unclear. We want to pray, God, open a door. And then, God, when you open the door, help me to know exactly to say what you want me to say. And by the way, that may slightly change depending on who you're dealing with. And how you explain it. I wouldn't explain the gospel the same way to a seminary professor as I would to a Sunday school child. You know what I mean? And so we've got to be, think about that. We want to make it clear. Be as clear as we can in our presence. And that's why I'm going to give you a method today to do that. And then thirdly, don't forget this. Respond with grace to each person. Respond with grace to each person. Did you notice there in the last verses we read, verses 5 and 6, it says, walk in wisdom... Toward those who are outside, that is outside the faith, outside of knowing Christ, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so when it comes to dealing with a lost person, someone who does not know Jesus Christ, we want to make sure that our lips and our life match. Put another way, we want to make sure that our walk and talk matches up. You know, some people talk a good talk, don't they? But you look at their life, you say, I thought they were a Christian. I, I thought they loved Jesus. And, and maybe there's the opposite way. Some people, uh, they, their, their walk is one way, but their talk is opposite. We want to make sure that it's in harmony one with another. And as we talk and deal with people, we want to be a people that have speech that's grace-filled, 
and seasoned with salt. I love the way the New Living Translation gives Colossians 4, 6. It says it this way. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. And so as we're sharing the gospel, we're doing it in a kind, gracious, salt-filled, Christ-like way. Well, we know we should share the gospel. Everybody knows that as a believer, right? You know God has left you here to share the gospel. So let me now teach you a method, an actual method. And so take that four by six card. You got something to write with. And I want you to actually draw out this method. Now, leave enough room on that card, beloved, to draw. Don't draw it yet. But you've got to fit all that on that one card. Don't draw it. We're going to go step by step today. I want you to draw each piece individually. But I want you to see what you've got to put on the card. So don't draw the whole card the first circle, all right? Because you've got to get all that on there. We're going to do a little pretend this morning and a little role play if we can. And um, let's say that we're at a restaurant and we're going to pretend that I'm a Christian. That didn't sound right, did it? Um, I am a Christian. But we're going to pretend that I'm a Christian talking to you at a restaurant over lunch. You're my friend and you're lost. Okay? And maybe you say, well, preacher, I am lost. And that's okay, too, because we're going to walk through the gospel together. We're going to do some role play today. And it's kind of going to be more work on you than me. Because you're going to be the lost person. But you're also making notes so you can share this, okay? So we're going to do a little role play, but you're going to be drawing it out so you can know how to do this when you talk to your friend. And as we do it, I'm going to do it just like we were at a restaurant. And I'm going to mention Bible verses. I'm not going to stop and say, now let's look at this verse and that. We're just going to do a conversation. It's a conversation guide. And so I would encourage you to do this. As we're doing the role play today and you're drawing it out like I'm drawing it out. You might just want to write the references underneath each part so you can go back later and learn it. And you can pick out which verse you want to use because you're going to find out there's lots of different verses you can plug into these spots. It's up to you. If you know the Romans road, man, you're going to be set. If you know some of these ways, you'll be set. But here's what we're talking about things here today. And let's just get into it. You're you're my lost friend. We've had lunch together. We're sitting there. Uh, You've got a cup of coffee. I've got a Diet Coke. And we're just talking And you begin telling me about some things going on in your life. You know, people talk to you. You ever notice how many times people talk to you about uh, their brokenness and about uh, the fact that uh, there are problems in their life and there's heartaches and there's hangups and uh, there's problems in their marriages and with their children and finances and addictions and and depression and the whole nine yard. And, you know, beloved, that people are hurting and people need hope. And so what we want to do before we get in a conversation, what we're going to do is we want to learn a way to turn these conversations that people share with us about problems and issues. We want to turn it from that into a conversation about Jesus. That's why we're calling it a life conversation guide. So the person's telling you about brokenness in their life. All right. And so let's just pretend now we'll get in the role. Y'all ready to play? You ready to act? You ready? You ready to do your part? You're the lost friend. You've just poured out your heart to me. You've told me uh, some things going on in your life. You've told me about your brokenness. And so now it's my turn to talk. And so we'll get into our conversation now, okay? Take a sip of your coffee and listen because I'm about ready to give my part. And I say, you know what? You're right. We live in a broken world. I mean, you think about it. You look around us. We're surrounded by broken lives and broken relationships and broken marriages and broken systems. And all this brokenness, it leads to so many bad things in our world. It leads to suffering. 
And it leads to violence and it leads to poverty and to pain. And, and we find that all around us. I mean, you just, just open our eyes and look out and we look at the newspaper and, and I can hardly even watch the news anymore because there's just so much brokenness in our world. And, you know, brokenness leads us to search for a way to make life work because we find out that life is broken and things don't go so well. And so we want to know, how do we make life work? How is it that we can do this? But you know what, friend, in, in contrast to all this brokenness, would you agree with me that we do see beauty in our world and we do see design and we do notice this evidence of God's design all around us as I'm drawing my circle and I'm writing in the words God's design. And, you know, the Bible tells us that originally when God created this world, there was not all this brokenness. In fact, when God created it, everything was perfect and it was beautiful and it worked perfectly. And everything and every person, they were in perfect harmony. In fact, back in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1, 31, uh, the Bible said that God saw everything he had made and it was very good. In fact, you know, that big book in the Bible, uh, the book right in the middle, Psalms, that big old book of Psalms in Psalm 19, 1, it talks about the fact that the heavens declare the glory of God and, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. And so God made each one of us with a purpose and he had a design that was all perfect. And we see that around us. And the purpose was that God wanted us to worship him and to walk with him. But you know what, friend, life doesn't work the way God designed it to work when we ignore God and his plan and his design for our lives. In fact, if you be honest about it, a lot of times we selfishly do things our own way. And the Bible calls that sin. And, and sin, when we sin, we do wrong things. We distort the original design that God has placed into creation and placed into our world. And the Bible says that the consequences of sin are separation from a holy God. And that separation is in this life and in the life to come. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned. I, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm sure that you would agree that somewhere in your life you've done something wrong. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. And so we understand then that God created this world and it was perfect and all of this harmony and, and beauty. And yet we chose to sin. We chose to go our own way. And because of that, the sin leads to brokenness in our world. And we see this all around us, do we not? You know, we talked about it just a moment ago, friend. And we talked about it in, in our lives. And I've got brokenness and you've got brokenness. And, and when we realize that life is not working, we begin to look for a way out. And, and we start trying to go in many directions. See, let me, let me draw it here for you, this little squiggly. We're going in many directions trying to figure out how do we make life work. And we're trying to figure it out on our own. But you know what? We realize that these aren't the answers. And this brokenness leads us to a place of realizing that there must be something greater. There must be something we're missing or someone that can fix all this. You know, the book of Romans, chapter one, verse twenty five says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served something created instead of the creator. Uh, Proverbs, you know, we've been studying Proverbs at our church. Proverbs fourteen twelve says there's a way that seems right to a man. You know, you kind of figure this, this must be the way. But it says, but its end is the way of death. 
And so as you see, as I've drawn out for you, friend, that, that God had a perfect design, yet we went our own way into sin. And the sin leads to all this brokenness. And at this point, would you agree with me? We need a remedy. We need some help. We need some good news. We need a, a rescuer. And you know what? The glorious thing is that because of his love, God did not leave us in our brokenness. He's given us good news and it's called the gospel. The gospel. Jesus, who is God, he came and was in human flesh. That's what Christmas is all about, by the way. That's what we celebrate. You maybe you've seen the manger scenes. And in the manger scene, you see the little baby. That, that's, that's Jesus. He came and he's God, yet he took on human flesh. And, and the good news is, maybe you didn't know this, but you know, he, he's not still in that manger. He grew up and he lived a sinless, perfect life according to God's design. And he fulfilled God's design. And in fact, Jesus came to rescue us. To do for us what we could not do ourselves. And you know what? He took our sin. He took it to the cross. And he shed his precious blood and he paid the penalty for our sin. And the good news, friend, is Jesus is not still in the grave. That's what separates him from every other religious leader and every other person that's ever taught and, and tried to lead followers. Jesus got up from the grave. We celebrate that at Easter. And he provided a way that we might be rescued and delivered and restored to a right relationship with God. You know, maybe you heard that verse or maybe you saw it at the ball game. They hold it up. John three sixteen it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Um, Colossians two fourteen says that he erased the certificate of debt. You know, we had a debt that we could not pay because of our sin. It says he's taken it out of the way and nailed it to his cross. First Corinthians 15, three and four. Let me step out of character for a moment, by the way. You can mention one verse or two verses or bring in another verse. You're just, you see, that's a conversation. Okay, let's step back into role. First Corinthians 15, three and four. It says that Christ died uh, for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And because of that gospel, we don't have to stay in this brokenness. But listen, friend. Simply hearing this good news is not enough. We have to admit our brokenness and our sin and stop trusting in ourselves. We don't have the power to escape this brokenness. We, we can't figure it on our own. We can't do any of that. We need to be rescued. And so we need to repent and believe. Let me step out of roll again a moment. I know you can't see that. It's kind of small. You folks probably can't see that. But those words are repent and believe. I didn't make this slide. The North American Mission Board did. They didn't know you couldn't see. So anyway, I'll tell you, <laughs> repent and believe. All right. Let's step back into role. Just hearing it's not enough. The Bible says we have to turn from our sin and we have to trust Jesus Christ. And that's what it means. These words repent and believe and believing we receive new life through Jesus. And God takes our life that has been filled with brokenness and heartache and he turns our life in a new direction. In fact, he says in Mark chapter one, verse 15, repent and believe in the good news. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't do anything on our own. Ephesians two, eight and nine. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. You know, I mentioned that book of Romans earlier. There's another verse in Romans, Romans 10, 9. It says, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. And friend, I don't know if you realize or not, but this is wonderful news. And, and it gets 
it gets better. You see, when we repent and believe and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, God restores our relationship with him. And we begin to discover new purpose in our broken world. And now we can pursue God's design for our lives in every area of our life. In fact, we can now recover and pursue. Those are those two words. We can recover and pursue God's design for our lives in every area of our life. We can recover and pursue God's design because you know, God's design is perfect. And by the way, even though you may trust Jesus and you may get saved, you're not going to have a perfect life here, practically speaking, because we still mess up. But even when we do, we go back and realize that Jesus is the answer. Jesus has already paid for that sin. And God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, comes in and lives. And and I can't understand how that works either. But God, the Holy Spirit, comes in and lives in my life and in every believer's life. And he's the one that helps us and gives us the power we need to recover and pursue God's perfect design for our life. Uh, Philippians, it's it's a book of the New Testament. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. And, you know, I shared with you a moment ago, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, the next verse, verse 10. You know what it says, friend? It says this, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time. We could walk in them. That's God's design. And you see how God's been active in bringing us to this point. And I'm having a conversation. Let me step out of roll now. You've, you've already dropped the whole cup of coffee by now. You're like, oh. So you're at a point now where you want to move beyond just explaining this. And by the way, you don't have to be an artist to draw that, do you? Now, if you can't draw a circle, I can't help you. But you say, preacher, what, what do we do? Well, you say to your friend, now that we've gone through this, you've heard the good news. Would you like to ask Jesus into your life? And that's where you would begin walking them through a prayer and you can't see this. But here's the good news. Have you drawn it out? Guys, will you go get those booklets? I've simply walked you through this little booklet that I'm going to give you today. You say, well, why didn't you give it to us to start with? Because you wouldn't have drawn it out. (laughs) And I wanted you to practice drawing it out. And I've simply walked you through this whole process. And here's the cool thing about it, beloved. Not only can you draw it out yourself and discuss it yourself, you can use this little booklet. And if you have an, how many of you have a, a, a smartphone? You have an iPhone, you have an Android device. You can download the app and the app has all of this with all the scripture and every step on. I've got it on my iPhone. You've got an iPad, an iPod or whatever. You can walk them through. But I wanted you to experience today drawing it out for yourself. And as you'll see, and I'm looking at these pages now, you can't read that up on the screen. This is where you lead a person into the sinner's prayer. If, they're, if they say, yes, I'd like to respond. So well, you can pray a prayer like this. My life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe that Christ came to live and die and was raised from the dead to forgive me of my sin. Forgive me. I, I want to turn from our sin and follow you as Savior and Lord. And the verses are there. By the way, I know a lot of you were wrestling trying to get all those references down. They're all printed right here for you. But I wanted you to, I knew if I gave this to you first, you'd just say... I wanted you to engage in this. And people need to hear the gospel. And then there's a page in the back that says, what, what's next? 
If the person trusts Christ and prays to receive Christ, he taught them, listen, you just got new life, eternal life. Now, here are the steps you need to begin praying. You need to come to church. If you're on an airplane, maybe pull this out and say you need to find a church that believes the Bible and get involved in that church. You need to begin reading the Bible. You need to share the fact that you have been saved. And in the back, the whole thing's drawn out for you. But step by, I just walked you through. I used the little booklet this morning as I talked with you. And it's all here for you. And you can get this. As I said, on your Android device, your Apple device. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You've got a booklet. But you can draw it out. So you don't have to have the device. You don't have to have the phone. If you can draw three circles and some arrows, if you'll practice a little bit, and you'll get some verses in your mind, you can walk through and share the gospel. That's a practical way of doing it. But I've got to say something else before we close today, and it's this. I realize that probably not everybody in this room is born again. When you've got a group this size, there may be one or two or several who've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. So my invitation today is twofold. Number one, I want to invite those of you who know Christ to prayerfully ask yourself, are you praying for open doors to share the gospel? Are you looking for open doors? Are you ready when people ask you about the hope that's in you? I want to challenge you if you're not. Maybe you want to come today and pray, God, open doors to share the gospel. Whether it's just taking this booklet and walking it step by step. Whether it's drawing out, whether it's using some other method, however you want to do it. By the way, this is a method, not the only method. If this bullet fits in your gun, shoot it. If some other bullet fits, shoot it. There are many methods, but one message. But are you praying for open doors? Because if we're honest, a lot of times believers don't pray for open doors. They're praying, God, please don't open the door. (laughs) Paul said what? Pray for us that God would open a door for the word. So Christian, my desire for you today, are you praying for open doors? Maybe you need to start today. And then maybe you're here today. And by the way, I just walked you through the gospel. And though this was a training time, I just shared with you the gospel. And all of us are broken. And all of us need Jesus. And maybe you listen to that today and you say, Preacher, that's what I need in my life. I've been trying to figure out how to make life work. And I realize today that life will never work until I give my life to Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you as we close here in a moment. I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you and help you to begin your new life in Jesus Christ. Now, you've got a tool. You've got a method. You know you ought to be sharing your faith. Will you do the work? Will you pray for open doors? And when they open, will you walk through them? And maybe today you're here and you need to walk through the door of salvation, the Lord Jesus, and trust him as your own personal Lord and Savior. Ladies, if you move to the instruments, we're going to sing in a moment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a method of sharing your gospel. Father, we know that only you can save We're just messengers. We're just gospel heralds. Father, I pray that you would burden our hearts and help us to realize that we're surrounded by hundreds and thousands of lost men and women and teenagers and boys and girls. Hopeless. Headed for hell. And we've got the gospel. We've got the hope and help they need. And I pray that you would help us to pray for open doors. And then obediently walk through them 
when you open them for us. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit to be working right now. If anybody here has never received the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray in this closing time together as we sing that you bring them and allow me the privilege of sharing Christ and leading them in a prayer to receive Christ. And Father, I pray that you would use this time we've had together today to impact eternity, to realize through these gospel conversations and through this time of preparation and prayer, we can see many lost people put their faith in Jesus Christ. We ask this for his name, in his name and for his glory. Amen. Our closing hymn is 472. I love to tell the story. And again, the invitation is twofold. Number one, for Christians, you want to come and pray for open doors. Maybe somebody particular in your mind you need to speak with. Would you come and pray about that today? And then I'll be standing right down front. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, listen, step out. We'll welcome you and we'll help you to trust the Lord Jesus. Let's stand together. 472. 572. Sorry. 572. I love to tell the story. Let's stand and sing. Thank you.